What a privilege it is to be guided by the Lord, even though we're not perfect, even though we are still made of flesh and bone. We also are full of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you can be. If you've given your life to Jesus, did you feel him rush in? Did you feel him lift that burden? Did you feel it and know it that he was real? Well, that was his spirit entering into you. And it refills time and time again. It's not that we get empty. It's just that it's kind of like we need our gas tank filled back up. And, you know, my son posted on Facebook one day this week. I don't know what happened, but one of the area stores had their gas for $1.19. They must have been doing a promotion is all I can think. But he said, I filled my tank for $20. And I thought, as soon as I saw that, I thought, reminds me of what Daddy used to say. He said, if I had a pill here on the stage that was guaranteed to cure cancer, absolutely free, there would be a line from here to Oklahoma City. But we have a cure for death. We have a cure for disease. We have a cure for emptiness. We have a cure for loneliness. We have a cure for sin. And it's free. And people ought to be lined up from here to Oklahoma City. And I think about that. Sometimes that's an illustration to me. You know, the big sales going on and people flock to it. What about the Spirit of God through Jesus Christ? He's already paid the price. He shed His blood. He didn't spill it. He poured it out on purpose so that we could have just one little drop that would wash our sins away. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says Jesus gives gifts unto men. All kinds of spiritual gifts. The Spirit of discernment the spirit of knowledge spirit of prophecy spirit of wisdom spirit of other languages so many gifts i've just those are just a few there's a long list and it's not all in that one chapter either it's all throughout the bible the gifts that god gave to men when they were filled with his presence you know if you are filled with the holy spirit of god you don't want any other gods. First of all, there's only one God. The others are imposters. And time after time throughout history, God warned us, warned the children of Israel in the Bible time and time again about honoring false gods. He warned us not to put leaders in place that honor false gods. He warned us not to allow our families to get caught up in false spiritualism 
or mysticism or anything that detracts from Jesus Christ. There's only one way to heaven. Praise God, we can all go there. If you give your life to Jesus Christ, your life will be forever. I'm thankful for a lot of things. I can't even begin to list them all. I'm thankful for a church that won't give up. I'm thankful for family. I'm thankful for opportunities to serve the Lord that are arranged and ordained by God and not me. If I try to plan it all out, I'll mess it up. And I quote my dad a lot because he was the preacher I grew up listening to, primarily. He's gone. This is about 10 years, I think. And uh, he's gone to where he wanted to be for a long, long time. And I've been saying a lot lately, if something happens to me and I'm up there, don't get too upset about it. I'm right where I've been wanting to be for a long, long time. And I'll tell you this, a lot of saints are going home. Have you noticed? A lot of saints are going home. If you have the blood of Jesus covering your sins or washing it away and making it white as snow, whatever illustration you want to use, the fact is you are no longer a sinful man or a sinful woman. You are a saved child of the King. Yes, I can say I'm a sinner saved by grace. Yes, I certainly can. That's uh, talking about my past versus my present. My identity is child of the king. Not because I'm perfect, but because he is perfect. And so down through history, there have been cycles that Israel went through. And I see the same cycles happening in the United States. I've taught about it a lot, and so, as a, so have many others that we go through cycles. And right now, we're in a very confused, chaotic cycle. We have been for several years. It didn't just start this year. It's been pretty bad for a long time, and it's going to keep getting worse. The Bible says that one of the signs of the Lord's return is that it will be like the days of Noah, where everything becomes chaotic and people forget about God and it says it this way, every imagination of their heart was evil. That doesn't, talk, that doesn't mean every single person, but it's an overall statement. And we don't need to forget that our country is not what the Bible's all about. The Bible is about the whole world. The Bible is about the whole world. That's why Mike and Jan are going to train pastors to evangelize. That's why the World Mission Team has almost a little over 800,000 people that have accepted Christ through the World Mission Team. That's why this church keeps going. And we just decided to keep going, you know, and not close. It's not because we're judgmental of other churches. They can do what they feel like the Lord leads them to do. It's not our job to dictate to them. But the way we feel here is that it's your ability to make your own decision. And, you know, there have been times where I knew that I had been exposed to someone that had COVID. So I came in the back door. I didn't get down among the people, and I went right back out. And nobody sat on the spit road, praise God. We have a brain that God gave us. We have discernment. We have wisdom. We have gifts. 
I believe it with all my heart that it's not going to be long and this church house is going to be full because people are starving for the truth. You can't find the truth on the news. You know, I'm, I wish we had Walter Cronkite again, and that's the way it is. But we don't. It's hard to find the truth in pulpits. It's hard. We have a lot of great churches around here that preach the Bible. Thank God. Praise God. It's hard to find the truth from leaders because some have their own agendas. They all seem to. But I'll tell you what agenda I have. It's the agenda that Jesus Christ is king and he owns this earth and I'm on his team. And I want to see more people come to know the Lord. I want to thank Dr. Honeycutt. He's not here this morning, but I want to, he usually is almost every Sunday. And I want to thank him for filling this pulpit last week. I watched it online, and it was very good. I really enjoyed it a lot, and I appreciate that. And Les for teaching my class, everybody bragging on that. Les is a great teacher. And I'm just thankful that we have so many good people that study the Word in this church. Because you shouldn't just take my word for things. It's got to be Bible. I've made a lot of mistakes. I've backed a lot of horses that went the wrong direction. Don't watch me. Watch Jesus. He's the one that will point you to the cross. And I want to bring you to a couple of scriptures and start out in Isaiah chapter 30. I don't know what's happening, but for some reason I need magnifiers. It might have something to do with my hair color. Boy, if he wasn't writing this to the United States of America, I don't know who he was writing it to. You know, Egypt is the land of false gods and false religions. Egypt is the land of false teachings and decadence in the Bible, throughout the Bible, where they worshipped all these different gods and anything goes and wild kinds of revelings and, you know, it was awful. He said, Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord. You know, in the Bible when God says woe, that means you better watch out. You're treading on thin ice. It's about to get cold in Oklahoma. Did y'all know that? I saw a meteorologist post yesterday. Oklahomans, remember, no matter how cold it gets, don't walk on Oklahoma ice. Because it's thin. And you might fall through, probably will. And that's what woe means. It says... Warning, capital letters, woe unto the rebellious children, saith the Lord. They don't take counsel from me anymore. Back in 1970-ish, schools stopped doing prayer 
in the classroom. Now, my teacher, when I was in first grade in 19... She said, I can retire anytime I want to. We're going to keep on praying. And I've told you before, she also wore a big old ring, kind of like that. Turned it upside down. She had 52 students by herself. She was Susie's size. She walked around that classroom. What? I have dents still up here. But you know what? We did the Pledge of Allegiance. We said the Lord's Prayer every single morning. And our country got off track about 1970, late 60s, when we started saying it's not our job to teach our population to pray. Well, it is. It is. And we have, brain, we have a whole generation that's brainwashed that thinks it's wrong to pray in school. It's not wrong. It needs to still be happening. In fact, it needs to happen more now than ever. Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, who take counsel but not of me. So many people go to their friends that are going the wrong way for advice. Their co-workers who's already been there, done that, wants to tell them about all their experiences instead of going to the Bible and says, what does God want me to do here? You've got Sunday school teachers that can share with you. You've got people you go to church with, you know, not judgmental. And I can't prescribe everything that you should do in your life, but the Bible can. The Bible can. Most of the time we already know what we should do. We're just wandering around looking for somebody that will tell us it's okay to do what we want to do. We'll go and get three no's and when we finally get one yes. Oh, I knew it! I mean, let's be honest. We're normally just looking for somebody to agree with us. And the Bible says, please take my advice instead of the advice of others. It's almost like you can hear him pleading with his children. He says, you devise plans, but they're not of my spirit. Your plans add sin to sin. What's that old saying? Two wrongs don't make a right. And that's what he's saying. He's saying when human beings try to solve a sin problem, they usually make it worse. Seek the counsel of the word of God. One thing about Union Valley, this preacher is not going to prescribe how you live your life, how you wear your hair, how you car you drive, how you dress, where you live, what you do, like that. We're not, I'm not going to do that. That's not my job. My job is not to get your life straight. My job is to get mine straight. But I'll tell you where you can find the answers right here. If you want them. Sure not on television. And this is what he said. He said, my children walked down to Egypt. I shared with my Sunday school class. We did a little bitty preview of the sermon uh, this morning in my Sunday school class. And when I read that, they walked down to Egypt. You know how it's a, it's a long, hot, dry, desert, 
walk from Jerusalem to Egypt. It is not easy. You know, you go to Walmart and you park all the way up by Jack in the Box and you walk all the way down and you push a cart all the way around the store. Then you push your cart all the way back to the car and you unload it. Then you take your car all the way back to the cart holder. And you feel so good about it. You know, you've got such great deals today at Walmart. And then you go to church and you go, I can't believe I have to park clear over here on the other side of the parking lot. We need to pave this parking lot. I can't believe I've got to walk on gravel. I mean, think about it. We will go out of the way to do what we want, but we complain half the time to do what God wants. This is human nature, and you know what? Jesus already knew it. How many know Jesus already knew we'd be this way when He hung on the cross? He knows we're human. He knows we're going to have things like this, petty this, petty that. He knows that. He loves us so much. It's like grandchildren. I think, sometimes I think, like I said earlier, I'm a child of the king. But you know who the king is? Crickets. Who's the king? Jesus. So his father must be our grandfather. That's one way to look at it. So it makes me, now that I'm a grandpa... I understand God a lot better. Because my little grandkids, it doesn't matter what they do. I love them. I mean, they throw a little fit. Oh, isn't that so cute? When it was my kids, it was, get up out of that floor. I want to give you a This last night, Lenora, she didn't want to eat her roast beef. And I said, just come over here and sit by Papa. You can have some ice cream. <laughs> Here's what we got going on. The Lord understands how we are. That he says, please, please, please don't walk down to Egypt. You see, Egypt was the center of perversion and wickedness and false gods. It was decadence. It was the Las Vegas. Uh-oh. Now I'm getting personal. I'm not saying you can't ever go to Las Vegas. I'm not saying that. But if you participate in the stuff they're doing down there, it's not going to please the Lord. Let's be honest. It's not just Las Vegas. It's here where it's on your personal device. Right? Okay, he says don't be rebellious. Don't say, I can do this if I want to. This is a free country. In other words, you know, that's true. But let's pray about it. A friend of mine had this slogan, and he had them on hats and shirts and pins. And I love it. It's just pray about it. I like that old one they used to do all the time. What would Jesus do? You know, when Jesus went somewhere, he was going there to win people. And lead them to heaven. So he says. 
They add sin to sin. He says, who walks to go down to Egypt? These are my children and they want to go to Egypt. It hurts his heart. Think about Lot and his wife. And his family. They loved living, they obviously loved living there or they wouldn't have been living there. They obviously made their prosperity from living there. And they chose, they wanted to be there. Now they knew the Lord too, and it was a struggle. You can tell in the scripture, you read between the lines, it was a struggle. I know how that feels, don't you? You struggle with being where God wants you to be and being where it's convenient or prosperous. It's difficult. And kids, I know that most of them are in kids, children's church, but young people, young adults, even when you get old and gray-headed and have to use reading glasses, have 12 grandkids, the struggle is real. It does not end. You're constantly having to make decisions. Is this what God wants me to do? That's one of the hardest things to do, isn't it? To know, is this what God wants me to do? One of the hardest things you'll ever do in your life as a Christian is to fully know God's will for your life and your decisions. And so I can tell you, and it's the obvious answer, but I'm going to tell you again. For me, the more I pray and the more I read the Bible, the more answers I get that I know about and I feel sure about. Has anybody ever prayed in the Spirit down deep in your heart and you know that you know that you know and a peace just comes all over you? That happens occasionally in your life when you're really trying to figure it out. Lord, is this the person you want me to marry? Lord, is this the career you want me to have? Lord, is this the town you want me to live? Where do you want me to go? I mean, big life decisions all the way from the biggest life decisions down to the little baby life decisions. Pray and pray and pray and pray. You'll be amazed how many times God will tell you exactly what to do. Sometimes it takes a while. Especially when it involves other people's will. When we're praying for someone else to do the right thing, that's a whole different game. That's a whole different prayer. That's intercessory prayer. And intercessory prayer is very important, but you cannot force that to happen. I want all my kids, all my grandkids, all my friends, all my relatives, everybody that walks through this door. I want everybody in Ada and everybody in the United States to be saved. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that whosoever believeth on Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's what I want. More than anything in the world, that's what I want. But I can't do it for anybody. He says, please don't walk down to Egypt. He says, please don't make up your own plans. Follow my spirit. That's verse 1. We haven't even got off verse 1. Verse 2, walk down to Egypt. Ask my advice. He says, and I love this part, and I'm going to close with this. He says, don't try 
to get your strength from Pharaoh. Oh, my goodness. I mean, all of this presidential race, Senate, Congress, everything. I mean, this is just driving me nuts. How about you? We know what's right, but who's going to ever make it right? It doesn't seem like anybody will. Only Jesus. The Bible says one day the earth is going to suffer devastation. The Bible says very clearly that two-thirds of the population of the earth will die from famine, disease, natural disasters, scorched earth, and asteroids. That's what it says. If you want to see the scriptures on it, come to my class sometime, 10 o'clock, and ask. Because it's there. And the Lord is warning us. He's saying the only human race that will live forever is my family. And you can be part of my family. And you know, I've been seeing a lot of these things happen pretty fast. And it's a little scary. You don't know what's going to happen in the next month or next week, but I know what's going to happen in the long run, and I'm excited about it. I'm excited that the Lord might be coming back to set His kingdom up. You know what He told His disciples? He said, here's how you pray. He said, pray the, you know, all this Lord's Prayer and end it with this, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's our ultimate prayer. And we want as many people that we love to go with us. What happens when you die? Your soul leaves your body and goes straight to be with Jesus. And no, you don't, like all the jokes, you know, St. Peter's at the gate and says, can you know, all this stuff. That's just jokes. You leave your body. Your body dies. And you're with Jesus. It's really just simple as that. And he says, come on in, you're one of mine. Or he has to say, depart from me. I never knew you. That's the saddest thing of all. When back, way back, 20 some years ago, I used to play on the piano and sing a song. Sorry, I never knew you. Depart from me today. Sorry, I never knew you. Go and serve the one that you serve on earth. Remember that old song? It's that was written way before I was born, probably before any of us was born. It's so sad. But the gospel is awesome. But the flip side is sad. You don't have to worry about your future if you'll follow the Lord. Don't let Egypt pull you astray, keep you out of church, keep you from serving the Lord. Don't let confusion and fear 
keep you from serving the Lord. 2021, we're going to see more people saved than we've ever seen. People need Jesus. You see, I love it when the Bible says what the future holds. We cannot count on the government. We cannot count on Pharaoh. We cannot count on the safety of the shadow of Pharaoh, it says on down there. You know, when I think about that, I think, you know, when I was walking beside a little bitty kid, I'm walking beside my dad, and I'm in his shadow, I'm safe, right? Well, this is how the government is being portrayed now. The government is being portrayed as the dad, and we're supposed to all live in its shadow, and that keeps us safe. And I'll tell you, our government cannot keep anybody safe without Jesus Christ. And if we lose Jesus Christ's blessing on the USA, the USA goes down. And if the USA goes down, praise God, we're still going up. We do not put our faith and trust in chariots and horses, but in the power of the Almighty God.